0: training stuff but today so so this and and one more until we take a little bit of a longer break Mary had asked to do one uh, on the t- subject of what the Bible says about the topic of suicide so we're actually we're gonna save that one um, for the uh the 31st or whatever that that date is of May so not next week but the following week this week, since we just sort of have a one-off, I thought we could look a little bit more at, um, go a little bit more in-depth into this idea of uh, the meat and the kosher eating and uh, what that means in the Old Testament context and what that um, winds up meaning within the New Context of the uh, the New Testament and then ultimately what that does or does not mean for us. So there are a couple of Uh, places to jump in and look at this. But before we do, why don't we begin with a word of prayer. The Lord be with with you. God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day, this opportunity to come together, to understand, to hear from your word. May it be a blessing to us, increasing us in knowledge and faith and devotion towards you and in love towards our neighbor. This we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, so let's go pretty early on to Genesis uh, Genesis one. So starting in Genesis 1 here at verse 29. And this is the first story of creation. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And we'll just jump ahead real quick here into chapter 2, starting at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man You may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall die. All right. Oh, actually, let me continue on just a little bit further to kind of drive the point home. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not a helper to be found. We'll pause there. So, in, the, in both the stories of, uh, of creation that we have at the beginning of Genesis, what is the man to eat?
1: Oh, it's all right
0: So, Yeah. Yeah, it's all vegetation. So this has been interpreted um, as a pretty well accepted um, understanding among rabbinic literature that at the creation, human beings were intended to be vegetarians, if not all the way vegan. Um, the only instruction is basically to eat from the, to eat from the fruit and the trees and the bushes and the just to eat vegetables. Um, nothing about certainly eating meat, uh, nothing even about eating from parts of uh, animal byproducts, so eggs or anything like that either. Um, And this has been sort of, like I said, this has been um, pretty universally accepted as the way that the intention was. So in a sense, even though it's not a negative prohibition, it's a, it's a positive reinforcement. What is the rule around consumption of certain foods at the beginning? Well,
2: ultimately, a whole list of foods they
0: couldn't eat. Which were what kind of foods?
2: Well, it was meat.
0: Animals, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the animals. prohibition in a sense. Um, don't eat the animals. And, and the reason I kept going in Chapter 2 was, in fact... In in terms of the second story of creation, God created the animals initially as what? Helpers to possibly be a partner. So yeah, helpers, um, which is a which is really a far cry from being uh, a source of food, one would think. So within within the first portion of. Um, of the, uh, of the stories in the Bible and the stories in Genesis, it seems like people were meant to live a vegetarian lifestyle. And in fact, what's the job that Adam's given and then his sons who follow him in a sense? Till
2: the soil.
0: Till the soil, right? Yeah. You're going to be farmers and farmers grow. Farmers that till the soil grow vegetation. So that's kind of the first, the first glimpse we get at what it means to eat in accordance with God's wills, even though that sounds sort of funny for us at this point. But that's, that's where it all begins. Um, so then let's jump into Genesis chapter 9. Well, let's jump back, actually. So, I think this is important. Let's go to chapter four. Um, Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Okay, so the uh, the initial two sons, Cain and Abel, of Adam and Eve, they have two jobs, right? One is a tiller of the field, and the other one is a shepherd, flock shepherd. a flock herd, or whatever that term would be. Um, yeah, shepherd, and what is offered to God?
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Which also sort of relates to this. Um, it's interesting to think about the worship of God in a pre-Temple sense, right? So, in in the Temple sense, um, or even in the in the later on developed religions of or religion of Judaism once they're established. You make sacrifice and obviously God does not eat it, right? So you slaughter and sacrifice and part of the sacrifice even being to cook uh, various animals or people bring their offering, if they're not um, shepherds and herders, bring their offering of, um, you know, their first... Uh, parts of the crop but that is eaten by many right that, that's kind of what happens so all this meat that's eaten any of the anytime there's a festival and they do the slaughtering um, mm-hmm. the meat is distributed amongst the priests and among other people um, it's cooked for God and the and the scent of it raises up to God but the God doesn't actually consume it he,
1: i thought it was all burned up
0: no, they kind of just cook it, for the most part. Yeah, um, because then it becomes a communal meal. After the the scent raises up to God, and, and God is pleased by the scent of the sacrifice, but then the the people get to eat it. In this portion, where um, you either have a family of four grace in the earth, or or maybe just they're the core of the story, um, it says that you know. Cain and Abel bring their offerings—the fruits of the trees and the fat of the fat of the firstlings—and um, this, the the meat offering, pleases God. Um, so whether that means God was still sort of walking with them, which it does seem like God is still in conversation with with the uh, the brothers after their um, after the murder incident. Um, so maybe God is actually. Eating of the, the offering um, or perhaps, uh, you know, they're sharing among themselves. But either way, we have a sort of very early on a side that pushes back against the idea that, that vegetarianism was the uh, the intended and acceptable course. Right? So they're sacrificing the meat. They're cooking it. God, God okay. likes it.
3: Of course, that was after they had
0: sinned. That's after they had sinned. So that's a consideration. They're, you know, they're out of the garden that's now. That's
3: why they needed sacrifices. Right. They um, didn't need sacrifices before
0: that. True. Yes. So th- there's that portion to look at. But then there's also the idea of... You had these animals that were possibly created as helpers. You had sort of this instruction to eat from the... To eat only of the trees and of the fields and all that. So then when they're out of the garden... Does it just mean that, I don't know if you see where I'm going with this, does does it mean that the eating of meat isn't bad anymore? I mean, God likes the sacrifice now. God likes the meat. Um, So it's kind of a, it's kind of hard to place. Or whether maybe they weren't supposed to eat of it at all, the meat that was cooked in that instance. Maybe that was just for God. Um, Because remember, God is, early on in that creation story, the second one, God is kind of very much with the people. Um, so it might be God that's eating of the meat and not just the scent of it. So anyway, sorry, let's, I I just, so meat sacrifice is already there very early on, But if we go to, um, if we go to 9, chapter 9, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and dread you shall rest on every animal of the earth, and on every bird of the air, on everything that creeps on the ground, and on all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. Only you shall eat not only you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. For your own lifeblood. I will surely require a reckoning For every animal I will require it and from human beings each one for the blood of another I will require a reckoning for human life whoever shed, sheds the blood of a human by a human shall that person's blood be shed for in his own image God made humankind and you be fruitful and multiply abound on the earth and multiply in it okay so what is God doing here now Any, any, of these things? Mm. any, anything, anything, right? Except what? There's still a prohibition in there now.
3: Not flesh and blood. Not is- blood.
0: Yeah. Don't eat. Don't eat the flesh and the blood. Um, so there is still a prohibition. What's interesting here is that God says, "As I sort of gave you before, the the green plants." So that would lead me to believe that the sacrifice. That's offered all the way back with, um, at the time of Cain and Abel, is actually not being consumed by anyone except God, in some fashion. So, sort of a, it, it doesn't seem like anyone was allowed to be eating meat prior to that. It was, it was only up till that point that people were given to be vegetarians. But now there's been a change, after they come off the ark. Which is good that they were not eating meat on the ark. Why?
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right? That's right. That wouldn't have worked well. That's right. If there's a species that went missing, we would know why. They got hungry.
1: That's what happened. That's what
0: happened to that one. Um, But yes, so now everything is okay except for blood. Right? So that's kind of where things stand. All right, we're going to jump to Leviticus, chapter 11. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. 11. 11. Those pages are sticking together. I must not read from Leviticus enough.
2: <laughs> One day I was looking for my Bible and I... Levitic, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and some had no note whatsoever, had nothing like <laughs> that.
0: All right, so can someone take the first 23 verses and then someone finish us out?
1: Okay, I'll read. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the people of Israel, these are the living things which you may eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatever parts of the hoofs and is cloven-footed and chews the cud among the animals, you may eat. Nevertheless, among those that chew the cud or part of the hoof, you shall not eat these. The camel, because it chews the cud, but does not part of the hoof is unclean to you, and the rock badger, because it chews the cud, but does not um, part the hoof, is unclean to you. I'm
3: not understanding what It's means. a, the hoof is split. Yeah. Oh. The hoof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. is closed. Yeah. Yeah. It's closed.
0: No, it's open. It's one of these kinds. So, one of these kind of yeah, hooves supposed
1: to be closed.
0: What well, no, if it's open, like a uh, like a cow, and chews the cud, like a cow, then you can eat it because cows have that cloven hoof, right? right. Not right. not like a horse's all the way round one. Right. So if both of those things are met, then you can eat it. But if it's only one or the other, then you can't. So the camel has the hoof like that but it doesn't chew the cud, so you can't eat the camel. This, what was this badger?
3: Rock badger. The rock
0: badger chews the cud. Same with the rabbit, but they don't have the right hooves. So you can't eat them. So it's gotta be both, like the cow. Mm-hmm. Cow's kind of the gold standard here for those. And the hare, because it chews the
1: cud, chews the cud but does not part of the hoof, is unclean to you. And the swine, because it's part of the hoof, and it's his foot, but does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Of these flesh, of their flesh, you shall not eat and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all, all that are in the waters, everything in the water that has fins and scales whether in the sea or the rivers, you may eat, but anything in the seas or the rivers that has not fins and scales of the uh, of the swimming, swarming creatures in the water and of the living creatures that are in the water is an abomination to you. Hmm, that means dolphins. Yes. Dolphins and whales. They shall remain an uh, abomination to you uh, of their flesh. You shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall have been an abomination. Everything in the water that has not pins and the scales is an abomination to you. And these you shall have an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the osprey, the ostrich, the kite, the falcon, according to its kind, every raven, according to its kind, the ostrich and the night hawk, and the seagull, and the hawk, according to its time, the owl, the cormorant, the ibis, the water. Hen, the pelican, the vulture, the stork, and the heron according to its kind, the hobbit, and the bat. All winged insects that go upon all fours are an abomination to you. Yet among the winged insects that go on all fours, you may eat those who have legs above their feet. With which to leap on the earth of them you may eat the locust according to this kind and the bald locust according to this kind the cricket according to its kind and the grasshopper according to its kind but all others winged insects which have four feet are an abomination to you
0: yeah, you know, someone could pick up 24 to
1: 38. Yeah, we'll find out if you can
2: capture it. Yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. Whoever picks up one of these carcasses must wash his clothes and he will be unclean until evening. Every animal that has a split hoof not completely divided or that does not chew the cut is unclean for you. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Of all the animals that walk on, All fours; those that walk on their paws, are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean until evening. Anyone who picks up their carcass must wash his clothes, and he will be unclean until evening. They are unclean for you. Of the animals that live above the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, and the chameleon. Of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean until evening. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever it's use, will be unclean, whether it's made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth. Put it in water, it will be unclean until evening, and then it will be cleaned. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it must will be unclean, and you must break the pot. Any food that could be eaten but has water on it from such a pot is unclean, and any liquid that could be drunk from it is unclean. Anything that one of their carcasses falls on becomes unclean, an oven or a cooking pot must be broken up. They are unclean. You are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water remains clean, but anyone who touches one of these carcasses is unclean. If a carcass falls on any seeds that are to be planted, they remain clean. But if the water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it's unclean for you. If the animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches the carcass will be unclean until evening. Anyone who eats some of the carcass must wash their clothes, and he will be unclean until evening. Anyone who picks up the carcass must wash his clothes, and he will be unclean until evening.
0: All creatures that swarm upon the earth are detestable, they shall not be eaten. Whatever moves on its belly, and whatever moves on all fours, or whatever has many feet, all the creatures that swarm upon the earth, you shall not eat, for they are detestable. You shall not make yourselves detestable with any creature that swarms, you shall not defile yourselves with them, and so become unclean. For I am the Lord your God. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming creature that moves on the earth, For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the law pertaining to land, animal, and bird, and every living creature that moves through the waters and every creature that swarms upon the earth, to make distinction between the unclean and the clean, and between the living creature that may be eaten and the living creature that may not be eaten. Big list. Yeah. Just stay away from carcasses. Really? (laughs) Just. Just stay away from carcasses. Um, well, but
1: then if they rot, they must make the ground gun. Although it doesn't say that. No. You leave them alone and they rot and go into
0: the ground. That's fine as long as you don't already have a seed planted there. And then you have to, then you have to worry about it. Um, so there's a lot of rules. and. Um, <laughs>
3: Why do they exist? Probably to protect from disease at that time.
0: Yeah, that's always been one of the... But well, I
1: guess you don't... from vegetables, you don't get diseases. What's that? You don't get diseases, from vegetables.
0: Not really the same way, necessarily. Um, that is true. I mean, they just don't carry the same pathogens. That people do. They might be dirty on the outside, but pretty much any fruit or vegetable, you can you can wash off and all of a sudden it's clean. Um, so there's something to be said for that. There is, um, you know, a lot of people have said this is sort of the an early stab at science, um, whether we want to consider that being direct God-given or secondary God-given. So maybe this was the you know, list of good knowledge that people figured out and that's what they were going with and so it is what the Lord says. Um, or maybe it's from God directly. Um, you know, there is, there is certainly a communal aspect with living clean or unclean. Um, especially if you are in a community like they are and especially if you're as close-knit as they are, right? They're, they're, they're a traveling group right now. Um so just like an army on the march, keeping disease at bay would be a would be an important task. Um
1: but he the, also says in here he says I, I brought you out of Egypt, so we're jumping time.
0: Well this is Leviticus. Oh Yeah, we're out of Genesis. So no 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 they're 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 out of Egypt. They're on they're on the march. Um now the <laughs> The thing with it is, um, you know, some have said, well, this was the early stab at science. Others have said, well, you know, a lot of those animals aren't inherently any more disease-prone for people to eat than some of the other animals listed. Um, I don't believe there's any health properties associated with whether an animal chews the cud but does or does not have hoo- <laughs> cloaked hooves. Um, so that's, you can eat a camel and a cow they're probably equally likely to get you ill. So, you know, that that's the one that's always pushed against the the science of it. Or, or was it a taboo, or, or is it just a cultural thing? Uh, you know, some of those things are unclear. But the other thing it certainly does is um, helps create community. There, it's a, you know, the rules are not only negative. They're not only prohibitive. They also help create a sense of um a sense of God's people and who they are and what they do um, so just something to consider but so we if we look at the timeline now the intention maybe was to have everyone eat plants um, although God seems to be satisfied by the sacrifice of animals at some point then after they get off the boat it pretty much gets opened up to them you can eat all creatures then after God really brings them up from Egypt and and definitively um, is going to establish this people that he has been establishing um, since Abraham, you get these these much more specific rules about what this community can and cannot do to be clean and unclean. So that's, that's kind of... And in some ways, a lot of those... You know, a lot of those rules uh, obviously do not change as it comes towards the time of Christ. Um, you know, how closely and uh, or not they were observed by God's people probably vary on time, place, and, and culture. Um, you know, typically the further you get out from uh, all Jewish society, the further you get out from Jerusalem, the more leeway there becomes, so... I'd imagine some of these, uh, some of these practicing Jews in the Hellenistic communities that went went northwest after the exile probably start to be a little less stringent on these. But the laws also pick up, and and other things get added within the within the rituals. And Jesus references this, right? So you remember there's that exchange about um, washing of hands. Remember this from the Gospels. They wonder why the disciples don't wash their hands first. And uh, that doesn't actually come from Scripture, but that gets added on as part of a tradition later, which we also realize is probably a pretty good one, you, you know, washing your hands before you eat. But, um, you know, Jesus says, well, this has been sort of highlights. This has been added on. God didn't tell you to do this. Th- this is a human institution that you added on. Um, so that that's only to say that, you know, we have these, Customs and rules that, that are found in Scripture. And by the, by the time you get to year zero, year 30 A.D., um, you really have a pretty complex system of what you can eat, what, what first century Judaism in that space and that time said was okay and what wasn't okay. Right. And it's, it's ingrained in the culture. It's just there are certain things that make them, them, us, us sort of idea there's certain things you do and don't do, and this is one of those big things. You don't eat bacon. Like that's just that's just in there, right? So then, when we get to the New Testament, this is where we're going to get to what I mentioned on Sunday. This and uh, this and circumcision, but but really, this eating becomes uh, somewhat of a focal point. So we're going to turn into the New Testament here next. Because I did, I had this
1: situation when I was a some of the things with the holocaust most of the people were jewish uh-huh. and because the name haas is a very common jewish name i would always i would specify to people that i was not jewish even though i had a jewish name and i sat down next to this one lady when i breakfast and she was working away and she says i gotta get this done you know she had to set it back and so afterwards she came with what she was going to eat—a plate of nothing but bacon—I mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't say a thing. I wondered uh, about it, but I did ask some of the other Jewish ladies that I knew better why some of them would eat. And she said it depends on if you're kosher or not. You're not kosher, if you can go ahead and eat bacon.
0: Sure. Yeah, and that's
1: and that's a choice that that's also made y- when it came to the United yeah. States.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and more so, um, so, but, but think about, so Jesus is first century, you know, the epistles are first century too, a little bit later. So think about, there is none of that. There, there is no, there is no lobster dinner going on in, in Jerusalem, right? This is not, there, there, are, there, are no, there are no, there are no, there are no, there are no non-kosher, non-kosher Jews in, in Jerusalem probably in the year, in the year 30, or, or not publicly at least. So, um, so this is chapter 7 in Mark. Um, this, is, this is Jesus addressing um, a portion of this idea. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. Again, these are probably not bad traditions. And there are also many other traditions they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly when he said about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had for me is Corbin, that is an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile but the things that come out are what defile. And he had left the crowd and entered the house, and the disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters, not the heart, but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a the person. So, here in Mark's Gospel, Jesus does what? Says
3: everything's okay, all food's okay.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. can't, can't
3: defile.
0: Can't defile. Can't um, defile, which is a big statement, um, and also a a challenging one. And this is where the, you know, we'll get different, we'll get different interpretations of Jesus and and some of what he did throughout the Gospels. Um, this would be a lot harder for Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus does not come to abolish any of the law, but to fulfill it. Um, now you could say Jesus fulfills the law by allowing this full um, this full allowance for eating anything and, and nothing can defile um, but it, it would be a major sea change to say the least um, not only to what is in the word of God but also just uh, quite countercultural right to uh, to those around him so we have a portion in Mark here where Jesus where Jesus seems or does um, make an allowance for all food. And certainly that bears weight with Christians. Okay. So let's jump to... Actually, let's just... Was everyone here Sunday? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so we heard Acts 11, Peter's dream. Right. Okay. We're, we're going to skip past that just a little bit. Um But Peter's dream is, uh, you know, of course, he sees all these things. So if Peter's having this dream, um, and this is an interesting way of of thinking about how to interpret and, and read Scripture. Peter's having a dream that's telling him what? Or a vision, I should say.
3: Everything's okay.
0: Right. So he has this vision that... He can eat that people can eat of anything, and it's not unclean by God's standards. Well, that tells me that he was still, and most of the church was still practicing the dietary laws, um, which makes you wonder about this passage in Mark. How much of it did they take to heart, versus how much of it did they, you know? Can you see what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm. So we get this parenthetical note in Mark that Jesus declares all food clean. But clearly, at least in Acts, uh, written by the same as author as Luke, in Acts the, the apostles and, and elders of the church are still keeping, they're still keeping the dietary laws. Um, so it's tough to place that against what Mark says here in his chapter 7. But anyway, so uh, Peter is out evangelizing. He's, he's with the nations, with the Gentiles. He's eating with them. He has this vision. And eating with them could could either mean just simply eating with them, like at the same table as them, um, or it could mean eating the same food they are specifically. Either way, it could be a, a source of defiling and, and making him unclean.
1: Out of the same bowl.
0: Yeah, definitely if you're not in the same bowl, because then you'd have the issues with what has been prepared properly or not. Um, Or even just, realistically, even just him eating at the same table with them. Let's say he brought his own bread or something like that. There could still be an issue with that. Um, Mostly because that's probably unlikely. If you're eating with someone, you're eating with them. You're eating out of that same bowl, like you you said.
1: And they eat with their hands. Yes. They don't have forks and knives. Um, They may have spoons.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what the utensil usage was back then for that era and that and that place. I mean, they did have some utensils, but I'm not sure what common eating looked like. Africa and
1: to the Middle East and Lebanon and that they eat with
0: their hands anyway. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah, it just varies from place to place though, and time to time. So I'm not, I don't know the exact eating rituals of, of first century Judea. They could have been used utensils for some things, but anyway. So let's let's go to Acts fifteen. So Jesus has made this statement in Mark, Peter has had this vision in um in chapter eleven.
3: Which time-wise, so I'm gathering from what you're saying then this would be after the Well, of course. Yes. Yeah, okay, got it. I
0: got yeah, it. and it's, so it's after So Acts starts out, Jesus is still there for a little bit, but then he ascends.
3: Right. Um, They wait wait
0: a couple more days. They have Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes on them. Right. And then they sort of start to move with the the mission of the ministry. Right.
3: I got myself confused there for a minute. So this is
0: chapter 15, um, the Council at Jerusalem. Then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and elders. So they were sent on their way by the church, and as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary for them to be circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met together to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, My brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, he has made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on their neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told all the signs of wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, My brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first looked favorably on the Gentiles, to take from among them a people for his name. This agrees with the words of the prophet as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen apart from its ruins, I will rebuild it, and will set it up, so that all other peoples may seek the Lord, even the Gentiles, over whom my name shall be called. Thus says the Lord, who has been making these things known from long ago. Therefore I have reached the decision that we should not trouble those Gentiles who are turning to God, but we should write to them, to abstain only from things polluted by idols, and from fornication, and from whatever has been strangled, and from blood. For in every city, for generations past, Moses has had those who proclaim him. For he has been read aloud every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then the apostles and the elders, with the consent of the whole church, decided to choose men from among their members, and send them to Antioch, with Paul and Barnabas. Okay. So, so they have this. It's... Do they make a decision?
1: going ahead later yet. I the
3: Go ahead. Uh, ah, yeah. From what is strangled and from blood. Well,
0: for so verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to impose on you no further burden than these essentials that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from the blood of what is strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Okay. So, they, um... I suppose you could say they don't make a firm, firm decision, but they sort of come to a consensus about the way it should be. So this is a discussion, um, interestingly enough, not necessarily about um, the Jewish members of the church.
1: Like
0: this is really about Gentiles, which possibly means what for the, in their understanding for the Jewish members of the church.
1: You continue with what you're saying. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is just about converting Gentiles, who have already been doing certain things. Um, so, big thing number one in the positive. guess they don't have to get circumcised i think we've talked about this before but if you're a if you're an adult male convert you can you can imagine why that would be a tough
3: that's a big tough selling point yeah that's a
0: big recruitment (laughs) issue right there um and and they understand that so no you don't have to get circumcised okay all right what about the food uh okay you can pretty much eat anything uh in line with with Lord God in Genesis 9 and, and, and the words of Jesus, except for a couple things which are just kind of a bridge too far. No blood, no strangled animals. I still don't understand that one. I need to look that one up. I don't quite understand why that why that's a thing. Um, and no food sacrificed to idols. That's that's the big one, right? Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now the challenge of that is a lot of the meat. That's available in cities throughout the empire has been sacrificed sacrifice. to idols. I mean, the temples are kind of a deli in a sense. A lot of these Roman temples, um, either the meat is sold or given out after it's been used in, in ritualistic sacrifice, um, or given to given to the worship of idols before it's even been, you know, this that. Or this. So a lot of meat falls. The meat trade and the and the idol worship trade is pretty pretty uh much stitched together. So that that's a challenge. But okay, you can eat you can eat your bacon, you can eat this, you can eat that, these couple rules, that's that's gonna be the rules. Okay, so we'll get an early glimpse, so let's turn to Romans fourteen. And if you notice, that was the recommendation of James, um, and, and James, sometimes known as James the Judaizer, part of this group that really was Jerusalem-based and wanted all the people to, if you're going to follow Jesus, you follow Jesus through, through Judaism. Um, Peter and Paul are relics. They make their arguments, um, but they don't seem to be involved in that final sort of decision. The apostles and the elders are being led by James at this point in Jerusalem. He's the one that comes up with this, well, maybe let's go with this. And then a little bit later, it's those exact things that they send out to the to the other churches. These these are the, the rules now. Um, but looking at Romans.
3: Is this James the brother of Jesus or J ja- I get the James is I always have to
0: I'm fair, figure out uh, I always have is. to look it up too. I'm fairly certain it's a different James. I think. Okay. I think I think, I think. Um it's a very common name right okay so we have that paul is paul makes his argument it says but it doesn't go into depth so he's not it's not crystal clear on paul here in romans 14 welcome those who are weak in faith but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they will stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day better than the other, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds, those who observe the day, Observe it in honor of the Lord, and those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord. Since they give thanks to God, while those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord, and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or say, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Let us no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead to not be a stumbling block or hindrance in another, in the way of another. I know that I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The one who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and has human approval. Let us then pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not work for the sake of food. Destroy the work of God. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for you to make others fall by what you eat. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. The faith that you have, have your own conviction before God. Blessed are those who have no reason to condemn themselves because of what they approve. But those who have doubts are condemned if they eat, because they do not act from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay. So what's Paul's interpretation of the whole matter?
3: Food isn't the issue.
0: Food isn't the issue. Um, Yeah. Paul thinks everything's clean. It's fine. It's fine. You can do everything.
1: He's a Roman,
0: though. Well, he's a Roman and a Jew. I mean, he's... he's he was about, a Pharisee. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews. Yes. Yeah, he's a Pharisee, Hebrew of Hebrews, um, as he describes himself. Um, but interestingly enough, even if he thinks everything is clean, what is his advice?
2: Don't do things that upset your neighbor. You're, you know... Turn them away
0: from the faith. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, so it's an interesting argument that that Paul offers here, in that um, if I think, and so he applies this not only to the question of food, also to the question of Sabbath, and will the Sabbath be kept, and how will it be kept? Um, so for both of these, it's equal. But if I think it's not okay to eat pork and you think it's okay to eat pork we shouldn't argue about it i shouldn't judge you because you do you shouldn't judge me because i don't and you with the freedom should probably do what abstain mm-hmm. at least
3: re- re- be it, respectful of their
0: there you go yeah
3: of, yeah in other words don't invite, don't invite them over for dinner
0: for pork right don't don't show it off don't don't make it a point of look what I can do, look what you can't. Right. Um, if it's going to truly be an issue for them, because you won't want to interrupt there. Because it, and this is this is a really interesting take that Paul has. If it's if it's okay for you, then it's not sin. If it's not okay for them, then for them it's sin, because they feel they're going against God. So it's almost Paul they're breaks it down to this personal
1: quote: them to sin, or adding the temptation."
0: You're adding their temptation to sin, but you're also. Um, it's Paul recognizing that it's not going to be the same for everyone, which is very interesting. Right. It's not, that's not, and that's not a communal thing, right?
3: right.
0: The the freedom and um, no longer being restricted makes it harder to have community. It's easier when everyone follows the same set of rules. Right. So for Paul, he's giving a new rule, right? Well, don't judge each other, which seems to be pretty... Pretty on point. Um, let me see what time it is here. All right, it's almost time to wrap up. But so that's his take in Romans, and then very much similar, First Corinthians. Um, he discusses this again. And that's First Corinthians 8. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. God puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. God will not bring us close. Food will not bring us close to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge those weak believers for whom Christ died are destroyed, But when you thus sin against members of your family and wound their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. So very similar, very consistent with his um, position in Romans there too, that this issue is now a matter of, um, both a matter of, Freedom and a matter of constraining oneself for the benefit of their neighbor, which I think is pretty in line with with Christ um, and His teachings. That's a little bit about the (laughs) the eating of meat. Um, I just I I wanted to beef that up a little bit from this Sunday when we heard Paul's uh, excuse me Peter's Peter's dream. Anything to end on? Anything to offer, questions, thoughts? I
2: have to mention here, when I was um, going to college, I worked at the Jewish hospital in
3: the Mm. diet kitchen. Oh, interesting.
2: So the (laughs) trays would go out, and there was a tray, on a tray, that had meat. There was a tray that had milk. Mm -hmm. So if you had butter for your toast, the butter was on this milk tray. Right. The meat and the milk were not served together. So they did all these things and in the kitchen. We did all these things. Then when you pick up all the dishes, all the milk cups have to go with this thing.
3: Uh-huh. All the
2: meat stuff goes over here. Mm-hmm. When it got into the kitchen, the milk containers and all the things that had anything to do with milk were washed separately right. from any of the things that had meat and things like that. And so there were things like, you know, that people would want like a gravy. Well, if you're following true tradition, you can't have milk gravy right. and meat. Right. It was the most interesting experience to just and then I worked in a section where ultimately the patients could come in and they could choose what to eat. And there were all these signs, you know, this is kosher, this is not kosher, this is uh, and you know what makes it kosher. You know, it was all kinds of things like gelatin had to come from a the uh, certain hoofed animal
3: mm-hmm.
2: as opposed to some other, you know, hoof. All these different things that you know, it was prepared in a kitchen where meat and milk were separate. All yep. these kinds of things. It was a fascinating experience.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll do this again in two weeks. The Lord be with you.